Welcome to Everyday Strong, the podcast that teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how their everyday loving actions can help their teens cope with anxiety and depression. And now, here's our host, United Way of Utah County's Program Director, Michael Ann Gardner. everyone, it's Michael Ann. I am excited today to share with you my conversation with licensed clinical social worker and grandmother of three, Katherine Johnson. A lot of people have been asking me lately what we should be doing or how we should be thinking about the little kids in our life, the ones who haven't interacted hardly all outside of their immediate families, who maybe haven't even seen like a genuine smile without a mask on, What should we be thinking? Should we be worried? This was certainly the question from another Catherine, Catherine D. She wrote in and said that her child has developed extreme stranger danger. She's worried, like many of you, about how this might affect her child's ability to socialize. And more importantly, she wanted to know, is there anything that she can do to make it easier for her child to feel safe and connected? So that's what Catherine and I talked about today. I'm excited for you to listen. was a really great question and and actually you want your kids to have some stranger danger and kids that have stranger danger are kids that are pretty well attached to their attachment figures so their caretakers mm. their moms dads grandparents whoever's been taking care of them so that said coronavirus has um has kind of intensified that in terms of um we're not taking our kids anywhere so I think it's a matter of slowly doing it, uh, mm. slowly um, exposing them to new people, new safe people, not forcing them to do that, but maybe going and visiting a, a friend, maybe outside in the park or in your yard that might have a, a child um, so that they can just kind of look at each other and um, maybe practice or kind of figure out what they should be doing, not any kind of forcing. One of the things that's really important is kids pick up on our emotions. So if we're anxious or nervous or worried about it, then they're going to be anxious, nervous, and worried, but they're not going to know why they're anxious, nervous, and worried. So they're going to make it up in their mind. So uh, this must be a dangerous person because mom is feeling anxious. Well, they're not cognitively thinking that, but that's how they're reacting. So I think it's being positive, making sure that um, you're comfortable with doing that, and then slowly introducing kids into those situations. A three-year-old is, that's a pretty, um, still a pretty normal age to be um, playing by themselves or parallel play. Uh, They're just beginning to play with other children. So that would be an easy uh, way to Kind of introduce them. If all of a sudden you have to take them back to daycare and um, that's something they haven't done, then again, I would try to, to reassure them, tell them that, it's, that um, this is what's going to happen, but slowly do it. If there's any way you can take them and uh, stay with them for 15 minutes and then bring, bring them home and then take them the next day and stay with them for 15 minutes. And then the next day, 
leave them for 15 minutes. If you could slowly do that, especially with a child that's really anxious, then pretty soon that they'll be able to go. I love that. Well, and I, I love how you are able to to, to uh, contextualize this, right? Um, when you say that, like, it's pretty normal for three-year-olds to still be playing by themselves. Like, they're not necessarily super social yet. And something, you know, I, I think a lot of parents do do worry, like, like, is this normal? Is this not? Um, like, can you think of any situation where maybe like you should be worried? Like my, like, like this isn't normal for, for three-year-olds socially. Um, that's a, that's a really good, um, that's a, that's very, all of your questions, of course, are really good. (laughs) Um, I think, um, I think extreme, um, temper tantrums, uh, that go on for hours, you would want to be worried about that. Um, but they're going to, a three-year-old is going to, um, be upset if a routine changes. So you're going to have to, in their three-year-old way, explain why the routine is changing or that the routine is going to change and help them navigate that and validate their feelings about that change. Um, A three-year-old knows how to take turns, but probably always doesn't take turns. They know about taking turns, but, and they want someone else to take turns for them, but they may not um, want to take turns. So there's a lot of things that are pretty normal for a three-year-old that, um, you might be worried about. Um, three-year-olds usually are starting to show empathy for someone that's hurt or someone that's crying. Um, and so if they're totally lack um, the awareness that another child is crying or hurt, then you might be a little bit concerned if that's a total lack of awareness. If it's just that they don't know what to do, um, they can see that the child's crying and they might tug at you and sit, point. Um, then that's pretty normal. But if they're totally unaware of something like that, then that might be some place where you would begin to get concerned. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing you say, and this is so interesting to me, is that, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, like for a three-year-old, there's varying degrees of sociality and, and you might see some behaviors that look extreme or worrisome to you, right? Like stranger danger, temper tantrums, but so much of it is about how you as the parent reacts, right? That can right. sort of sort of determine the outcome there. What, what's that phrase, like, be the calm you wish to see in your child? Yes. Um, so this, this is tough, though, because um, I, I, I have heard of a lot of adults, maybe, maybe they're even projecting onto their three-year-olds who are like, I think I'm agoraphobic now. I don't want to go back out. <laughs> um, so how do you as an adult sort of find that calm if you yourself are nervous about going back into society? Yeah, I think it's really important for especially parents to take care of themselves. That's not at the exclusion of your child, but taking the time to process things yourself, taking the time to understand what you're feeling and how do you process those feelings so that you won't project those feelings on your child. And so that you can more feel more calm about about things. I I just had a an experience where I have a friend who um, has grandchildren, and uh, but one of her children lives out of state, and she babysits one of those grandkids. Mm-hmm. So the the daughter was coming home with her her two children, 
And one of them was the same age as the little girl my friend babysits. And my friend said, I'm really worried because I don't think she'll share. And they're three. And I said, well, guess what? She doesn't have to share. Like she has her things. What's going to be hard for her is to share grandma time. But that is where it's you are going to have to prepare yourself and then maybe have uh, prepare her that this is going to happen and understand that she's probably going to have a really hard time with it. You're worried about being able to spend the time with your grandkids that you don't see very often. And you're concerned that she's not going to take it very well. And so they planned some outings. They planned to have some extra people come that, um, that this little girl knows, like another aunt, um, so that, that things really went smoothly. And I said, how did things go? And she said, I was so glad you told me she didn't have to share her toys because we said, these are her toys. And these are, if she wants to play with, let you share them, then she can't. But here are your toys. And if you want to share them, you can. But these are your toys. And she said, I was so glad because that 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 helps so much because she had her place and and he had his place. And um, I didn't feel like I was so torn. Did that help? Yeah, well, and you know how I kind of extrapolate that out into this exact question that Catherine D has <laughs> about her child is like, you know, if your child doesn't want to interact with strangers, maybe they don't have to. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, and, and letting them kind of set the pace, set the, set the boundaries. Is that accurate? Right. And would you want your child to interact with strangers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm more worried about the child that runs up to me on the street and says hi and wants me to do something with them who's never seen me before than I am the child who hangs back, even the child of someone who knows me and hangs back and needs to get to know me. So yeah. I have grandchildren and they all li- they live out of state. And um, at three years old, I know that it's going to take three to five days for that three-year-old to warm up to me. So mm-hmm. I don't expect them to run into my arms. I don't expect them to give me a hug. I don't expect any of that. I'm, I'm nice and I'm happy to see them, but I'm not expecting any of that because they don't see me. They don't know me enough to be able to run up to me and hug me does if and so if I have that expectation and I just let them be who they are then sometimes it's three days and sometimes it's five days and I have a grandchild when he was three it would take about six hours and he would be right in my arms but I wasn't I let him make that decision I even though I wanted so badly to hold him I may, I may let him make that decision. And I think that we need to remember that we wouldn't just go up to a stranger and say, Hey, why don't we be friends? We would get to know them. <laughs> so we need to remember that with our children. Yeah. I love and that. And I think sometimes we put them in difficult situations like daycare or childcare. Now I know parents need childcare. I needed childcare. I'm not down on childcare, but we're putting them in a situation with kids they don't even know and expecting them to be friends. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, would we do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, it would take us some time to warm up and decide to, uh, if we wanted those people to be our friends. And so I think we need to respect that for our kids too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one question I have, you know, so, so you, you have grandchildren now, so you may not have been as on the ground with this, but I'm sure you have ideas. H- how do we explain like a pandemic to a three or four year old and say, you know, well, we used to be indoors all the time, 
And now we're going to be not outdoors. <laughs> like, what, how do you put that in, in child language? I think you put that, you know, you say, you know, there was, I think you put it in a real, in very, very simple terms. We were all staying home because um, people were getting sick and we didn't know, uh, we didn't have a lot of answers, but now we know how to take care of those sick people. And now we have ways of keeping people from getting sick. We mm -hmm. know that we can wear a mask and that helps us. We know that people can get immunized, like you got your shots when you were 18 months old. Like we know those kinds of things can happen. And so we don't have to worry as much. And also like making it just down to their level. Maybe that's even too much for them. Uh, mom was, mom was um, doing everything she could to keep herself healthy and well. And now I don't, we don't need to do that anymore. We, we don't have to stay away from people anymore. Yeah, I love that. I, I think just as, as simple as you can without giving too much information or asking them. Maybe they don't even haven't even thought about it. Maybe they're just like, woohoo, we get to go outside. <laughs> like I have a grandson that's four. He was four when the pandemic started. And he um like he's just taken it in stride. Like he was the least difficult child to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Like he just knew you just wear a mask. And he is, um, they came to visit us and, um, they quarantined before they came and he was the least worried about that. Like, it was just like, oh, well, we did what we were supposed to do. So we'll be okay. So yeah. I think like asking them even, um, like trying to figure out what they're thinking, asking them, do you have any questions? Now we get to go outside to play. Do you have any questions? Yes. So that giving them the opportunity, because sometimes we want to give them lots of information and they don't even care. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's the think, change in routine. That's the, that's the hard part. And, and I, I feel like what I'm hearing you say once again is that sort of projection of, of adult emotion. And, and this is where I think we haven't used too much our, our language or everyday strong language yet of safe, connected, confident or competent. Um, but I, what I am hearing you say is that you know, one way to think about how to calm children's anxiety is, is safety and helping them feel safe. And so much of that safety seems to emanate from from the parent. So, you know, I, I've heard you say, you know, one way to create safety is to just ask, ask questions. Another way is to not rush the child. Another way is um, to be sort of calm and safe within your own self. Are there other things we should be thinking about in terms of what creates a sense of safety in a child this age? Oh, you, you summed that up so well. Thank you, Michael Ann. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, be, being consistent, hmm. like doing what you say you're going to do and being way, where you say you're going to be uh, is really important. So mm -hmm. if you're supposed to pick a child up at a certain time, you're there at that time, especially mm -hmm. when it's a whole bunch of kids getting picked up and they're the one that's left. Mm -hmm. um, may, if you can't like be consistent or you can't make something that you have a contingency plan for them uh, so that they know I, um, some, I know that uh, sometimes uh, people would have um, families had, well, we did, we had a code word. Mm -hmm. So we picked our kids up, but if we weren't going to be there to pick them up and we were going to send someone else, Mm -hmm. uh, we, we promised that we would only send someone that they knew, but that they would have the code word. Mm 
And so even when we had a three-year-old, she knew what the code word was. And she knew that if it wasn't somebody that she knew in our family, because we had a list of people that might come to pick them up if something happened, mm-hmm. then she knew that she should tell the t- the daycare person that she didn't feel comfortable and she didn't want to go. Yeah. And I, I, I think that uh, respecting kids uh, helps them feel safe. But I think making sure that we always, um, you can't always be 100% consistent. Right. But that we're cons- that that we're consistent with what we're telling them, and that we're not one day it's a free for all, and the next day it, the rules are so strict that you can't even breathe. Yes, that so there we're, is a, we're a consistent, certain, a certain reliability, or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good word, reliability. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I I always hesitate a little bit to to I I don't ever want parents to feel like this is all on you. And if you don't do it perfectly right, and then you screwed your child up, right? No. I mean, yes. ch- children are, are, are very, are very resilient. And, and that actually, I don't, I don't want to silver line this too much, but I'm curious in your observations, we, we focus a lot on all the ways in which the pandemic is potentially bad for kids. And this question is about, you know, how maybe it has been bad for this child. Are, are there any ways in which like, this could have been a, a good time or we might see good things that have come from this isolation. You know, I think for kids, one of the things is that they've got to spend more time with their parents. Right. That sort of a leading question. That's kind of what I meant, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I mean, that's such a big thing. And sometimes we think, well, the child, the child needs friends. They need other kids. But, you know, they got to spend more time with their parents. That's a great thing. They probably got to do more things with their parents like, Maybe they got to help them cook or maybe they got to do, help do some housework or help make beds or fold clothes, things that, that maybe moms who were working, I know me, I would come home and late at night I would do all that stuff because we were busy doing other things, reading stories and playing, you know. Um, and so maybe they got to do a lot of things that they hadn't done before with their parents. Uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe parents were so busy working the online that it was hard. But I know from my experience of the friends that I have that have smaller children and my grandkids that they, they, it hasn't been the, for the little ones, it hasn't been as um, difficult as Mm. it is for the teenagers, the older kids that like to do things. Well, I think it's also where we had to think about development because I think to, to your point, you know, teenagers so much need like, other peers for sociality and I think all people do at all ages but a three-year-old I think can like their need for connection from what I'm hearing you say a lot of that need for connection can be fulfilled by mom dad um and the the peers are are important but maybe not as important as at an older age right and and that's absolutely true it's it doesn't hurt if a child doesn't go to preschool before they go to kindergarten it doesn't hurt them socially uh that's just not, they're doing other things. They're doing things with their parents. You know, if a child stays home with their parents and doesn't go anywhere till they go to kindergarten, that's, that doesn't bode poorly for the child. I think we, as a, as a society have decided, well, kids need more, more of this, but, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, you might have a child that really needs that. There are some kids that really need that socialization. They crave that. It's hard for them when they don't have that 
but that's a really small handful of kids. Preschool uh, and daycare are really the last 20, 30, 40 years. Before that, kids stayed home with their moms before they ever went to school, and they were fine. So I, I don't think that in terms of the sociality of other children, we make that a bigger thing than it, than it really is. And you know your child. You know if you have a child that really needs to have interaction with other children. And then that's a child that you have to work a little bit harder with to make sure that they have that interaction in a situation like this. But that's not a lot of um, three-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, it is really thinking about, about this question from, from Catherine D. It's, um, it is going to be an adjustment is, is what I'm hearing you say, what I'm hearing her say that it's, it is going to be a little bit of, of work to help this child or any child transition from what has been their routine. Cause to your point, routine is so important, but it also, from what I'm hearing you say, that's just sort of the part that's just natural to raising a child that situations are always evolving. Children's needs are always evolving and that it's okay if we have to sort of figure out how to help them work through a difficult time. Right. And, and isn't that good to have that pro that ability to problem solve for that? Mm -hmm. That's teaching them problem solving. And I think asking questions, getting their ideas, uh, validating their feelings, you know, this must be really hard. You must be, maybe you're feeling frustrated, uh, you know, trying to validate how they feel and help. What would you like to do? How could we figure this out? Like, it's not like our, we have to go to daycare now. How can we figure this out so that, that it, you feel comfortable? I love that concept of, of uh, collaboration. I'm not just sort of imposing, like, this is what we have to do. Like, like, what, like, how do we both get, get, get sort of our yeah. needs met? Like, Mommy needs to go to work. Daddy needs to go to work. But I know you're also freaked out. So how do we meet in the middle here, kid? <laughs> right. And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's a lot harder to ask how do we meet in the middle than it is to, um, than to just say you're going to do this no matter what. Yes. When, when, my, um, when my youngest child was um, that age, we both went to work. We, we both had to go to work. And she'd never been watched by anybody but my sister-in-law and we lived 300 miles away from my sister-in-law mm -hmm. and she screamed every morning when we went to when I took her to daycare it was horrible I cried she screamed um it was like heartbreaking and I sat down with her dad and she and we of course she couldn't say a lot but we talked about it and it was a lot easier for her to say goodbye to daddy than it was to say goodbye to Aww. me so he started taking her to daycare and she didn't scream. Yeah. I picked her up and she cried every day when I picked her up because she wanted me to know that she wasn't happy about it, <laughs> but she hadn't cried all day at daycare. She hadn't cried all day. I was reassured that she hadn't cried. In fact, her sister went with her and she said, she's fine. Once, once dad leaves, she's fine. But when, but it was heartbreaking for me because she didn't like saying goodbye to me. She still doesn't. She's an adult. She still doesn't really like to say goodbye. So, uh, but we, we collaborated on that. How do we figure this out? So it's easier, easy on, easiest on everybody. Now that was nice. We had the ability to do that. Catherine yeah. D might not have the ability to do that, but there might be some other things that she could do. She might, um, 
have something that they're going to do when she picks her up. Like, remember, when I come to pick you up, we're going to read that special story. Or when we drive home, we're going to drive by the and see the ducks in the duck pond. Or um, she might give her something that's hers and say, now, I'm going to come back and get you and, and you're going to need to give that back to me. But I want you to have it all day so you can remember me. I like the days of hankies. Because mm. every, every mom had a hanky and a hanky usually smelled like mom. So giving oh. a child a hanky was really nice because if they lost it, it was no big deal. But usually they, they could put it in their pocket and smell it all day and, rem- and feel it and remember mom. And so if you have something that's kind of like that, that they can have to um, make that transition back to doing something that if, they, if they're having a really hard time saying, saying goodbye and, and separating. And both of those, I think, are wonderful examples of, you know, I think having like an, a tangible object like that is a really good way to think about physical needs sort of grounding down like into our, our senses, right? Mm-hmm. And also right. like also safety, you know, I think I think we feel safer when we have something like literally to hold on to or like connection is like that sense of like, I want to connect with you. So we'll go look at the duck, something fun that you like doing. I mean, I'm hearing all these threads throughout what, throughout, throughout what you're saying, and it seems to all be focused on like not 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 uh, dismissing the child's needs, like thinking about them, uh, you know, you know, like taking them very seriously, but also being able to have the adult big picture that yeah. just because they're they're crying or they're upset, you know, you want to meet that need, but you may not be able to meet that need exactly in the way that they want right in that moment. Right. And it takes some practice, you know, it, some, it, sometimes it takes some practice of mm-hmm. doing it or, and some uh, trial and error, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, what will work um, for the, for this particular child and for our relationship, what will work for that, you know? So, and we want to start, I think as simple as we can, because we want, don't want to um, do something big that we can't keep on doing. Yeah. And so we want to try to find something as simple and easy as we can. And for kids, Really, that's all they want. They don't want that big stuff. Yes. I remember um, our first child that we were talking about toilet training. We offered her a tricycle if she could toilet train. That was the <laughs> stupidest thing. <laughs> that was just it. Like we thought that would be really cool, but it didn't mean anything to her. What what she wanted was what really meant everything to her was having um, some big girl panties made by her grandma. Her grandma oh. sewed, and she made these fancy panties and, and she wanted to wear those <laughs> and like now that is what we needed her to do and that was probably the most cost effective thing to do the tricycle was ridiculous because that was a big does that make sense and so we want to really get down to where they're at yeah. and and try to figure things out I think reading a story spending some t- spending a few minutes doing something together is a lot more meaningful to a child than something big. Yes, I, I, I agree. And I think that's also where that ability to ask questions and to listen seems so so crucial to any kind of problem solving. And and I think that that level of trial and error, because a three-year-old isn't going to be able to articulate to you, like, mother, I would prefer panties, not a tricycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but That's right. That's absolutely right. But, you know, you can sort of... Try this, try that, and maybe the, maybe the big message here is start start small rather than start big. Right. Start small because you can always get bigger, but if you start big, you it's hard to get smaller. Right, right, right. 
I love that. Oh man, I feel like I have gained so much perspective here. Is there anything else that you really feel like you would want to say to a parent like this who's trying to help their child? I would say do everything you can to take care of your own anxieties and worries so that you don't share those with your child. And you don't ever have to say a word and still be sharing it. And kids um, make up in their head what it means. And they always make up in their head that it's about them. So if I'm, if I was worried about something, maybe I was worried about paying a bill, but my child would uh, translate that to, I'm worried that, um, or I'm upset that they just broke a rule, which I don't, mm. didn't even know that they broke, broke the rule. I didn't even know that they pinched their sister, <laughs> <laughs> but they, but then they're acting out because they, they feel my emotions. So you want to try and take as best you can take care of them. And if you can't kind of explain to them, mommy's really worried right now about a grown up thing. It doesn't have anything to do with you, but it's a grown up thing that I'm, I'm having a hard time with. So can I read you a, could we read a story together so that that would help mommy feel calm? Um, so that you're not, um, telling them the grown up things. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to take care of yourself, but you're also trying to take care of them. It's hard. And I I look back at being a mother of small children, and that is really, really hard. Yes. And it's a trial and error. And you want to do as much for yourself so that you can be there for them. It's just a hard, um, it's a hard place to be because this is a, this is a really anxiety producing situation, this mm-hmm. whole COVID thing. And so, um, and thinking about taking masks off, being mm-hmm. three feet close together, <laughs> like, will the vaccine really work? Like all of those are really stress and anxiety producing things for adults, but they're not really stress and anxiety producing things for kids unless we make it that way for them, unless we're talking about it all the time or watching the news we're following it, um, then that's, then we're going to, then that's going to be stress and anxiety producing to them. That is the one thing I would suggest that we do not watch the news with our kids Mm. that, that they never, like when they're little, they don't see the news, you know, they'll see it soon enough when they go to school, um, that we try to buffer all of that so that they are not bombarded with all of those worries too, because they can't do anything about it. But if everybody's upset, if you're watching a riot on TV, do you dare go outside? Because maybe that's happening right outside right. your door. Right. And so um, I think that trying to do everything you can to, to take care of that child and their needs and not let, not putting the world on them at this point is really important. And, and just to clarify, you're talking about watching the news with like little, little kids. like Yeah, little like kids. Like eight yeah. and under sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because they're going to go to school and they're going to see it. Like... We tried hard not to let our kids see the news, but you know, you go to, you go to school and they, some schools, that's their current events is watching five minutes of the news right, every morning. Right, right. <laughs> so, and that point is like, a whole different discussion. How do you yeah, then, that? Yeah, yeah, but no, for little kids, because yeah. they don't, they don't understand that they're not gonna, it's not gonna mean anything to them, except for it could be right. very, very scary. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your experiences and your insight. 
It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much, Michael, and it's been very fun. If this episode resonated with you, you can check out our free resilience handbooks and online learning at www.everydaystrong.org. These tools tell you exactly what you can do to help the kids in your life feel safe, connected, and confident. You can choose to create a relationship with your children that will help them to learn to be resilient, regardless of the challenges life throws their way.